Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 325. It is time once again to answer your questions. We're dedicating this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast to you and all the questions we've been sent in about planning a Royal Caribbean cruise. Here we go. With today's episode, I'm hoping to knock down that Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast email inbox a little bit. It's been starting to grow a little more than I would have liked, so want to answer your questions in a timely manner. And so this week's episode dedicated to just that. Let's hop into it with our first email from Pam from Texas. All right, hi Matt. Thanks for all the great entertaining info on the blog and the podcast. My sister and I are going on our first Royal Caribbean cruise in March on Enchantment of the Seas out of Galveston. Like lots of cruisers in this part of the country, we're excited about the new Royal Caribbean terminal plans for Galveston. Can't wait to see what ships will be available in the future. In your highly experienced opinion, do you think we'll ever see other lines from the Royal Caribbean family set sail from Galveston? I would especially love to see Celebrity have a presence there. You know, it's a good question, Pam, and it seems like Celebrity goes to a lot of more ports than Royal Caribbean. It's certainly not, they go to, they could certainly go to the premier ports, you know, the, 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 the Florida ports as well, but they tend to sell from other ones uh, in addition to that. I, the simple answer is I don't know. I don't have any more insight information than, than you do on this, but I do know that both Royal Caribbean and Celebrity and even Azamar are always considering new ports of call, new options that are out there. And Royal Caribbean really has doubled down in Galveston, whereas I know the Carnival recently pulled out of Houston not too long ago. Royal Caribbean is really, you know, despite the some of the issues that may be there in, in the area, uh, nonetheless, they've really seemed to be invested in, in providing not just cruises from there, but also bigger and bigger ships uh, coming from that area, which is a good sign if you live in that area to have more options there. So the answer to your question, Pam, is I certainly hope so. I'd love to see more of the choices there. I know a lot of others would as well. And I feel like there's, I think right now the momentum is in your favor. So uh, next we have an email from Michelle Birnbaum. As regarding your comments that in the future, Royal Caribbean will only build large ships. And that if you want to sail to smaller ports, you'll need to take Celebrity or Azamara. The problem is not everyone can afford Celebrity or Azamara. Therefore, those people will stop or reduce their travels to Royal Caribbean. Michelle, that's a fair point. I don't think you're wrong on that. The issue is that Royal Caribbean is not going to build smaller ships. I don't, unless there's a seismic shift in the cruise industry, they're not going to build a 3,000 passenger ship. I know it's not the answer you're looking for, but the economics of cruising today mean Royal Caribbean will make far more money building an Oasis class ship than a Radiance class ship. And yes, there are some people who simply say, okay, well, that's wonderful and lovely, but I don't want to cruise on those kind of ships. Then unfortunately, you're going to be out of luck when it comes to Royal Caribbean. It's the. You know, it's it's the uh, sad truth. I don't know how you want to put it that way, but I, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from in that. The thing is, it's just the economics of it. And Royal Caribbean, like all cruise lines, are in a for-profit business. They're looking to deliver the largest possible return on their investment, and that's the name of the game. I know that this this type of topic, by the way, that Michelle's talking about here, with you know uh, the 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 desire from a lot of established cruises, particularly that prefer the smaller ships, the you know the Radiance class, you know the three thousand and less passenger size vessels. I don't think they're wrong. I don't think you guys are like, you know, the kind of people that still, you know, churn your own butter in your backyard or anything like that. It's not like some antiquated view. It's just the nature of the cruise industry. And there are a lot of other cruise lines that do offer the smaller cruises. Yes, they tend to be a little more expensive than Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean International, Carnival, Norwegian. These are mass market cruise lines, right? Celebrity, is still a mass market, but it's type of, I think technically a premium mass market cruise line, similar to like, you know, Princess Cruise Line, right? And you've got Disney Cruise Line as well in there, somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, Azamara is very much a boutique cruise line. 
that's in the, that I agree is not really in your wheelhouse, Michelle. It's not even in my wheelhouse, quite frankly. But there are other choices out there. But yeah, they're getting less and less because again, I think it's the changing nature of things that are out there. Uh, in terms of the smaller ports, it will be, here's the interesting point. I wanna bring this up since we have this opportunity here. Looking at the future, right? We, you may have read on royalcrambolog.com recently, if you're listening to this podcast, when the around the data came out, that grandeur of the seas is leaving the fleet. She's now the third, I believe, Vision class ship to leave. First was uh, Vision and Legend, or one, of, I forget the order exactly, but Vision and Legend and Splendor, so actually three right there, and Grandeur makes four. Uh, you know, obviously, you can read the tea leaves right there. You don't need to be hosting a podcast to know that the Vision class is not long for this world. That being said, guys, to Michelle's point, you're not going to ever really get an Oasis class into some ports in Europe. Uh, Venice as a great example of that. I don't think we can really foresee the Oasis class coming to, you know, a Alaska. Um, so there's going to be a need for them. And certainly the presence still of Majesty and Empress of the Seas, which are even smaller and older ships, proves that Royal Caribbean, while looking to build bigger and bigger and bigger, perhaps, is also cognizant that they still have a need for the smaller ships. So they're still going to exist, at least in the foreseeable future, not to don't feel like it's going to be eventually a Royal Caribbean International fleet of nothing but Oasis Aquatic class ships. But I think the dynamic is changing. And certainly before when the smaller ships may have played a major role in the Royal Caribbean's fleet, I think they're going to play a smaller and smaller role as we move forward there. So again, anything can change. You never know what will happen. But as of right now, that is definitely the tendency. Our next email is from Ron Ledowski. It's first and foremost, importantly, a Royal Caribbean blog insider shameless plug. And thank you, Ron, for shamelessly plugging the Royal Caribbean blog insider program where you can help donate to royalcaribbeanblog.com for as little as $1 a month. Help keep us going over here. And you can find more information about that at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. And uh, Ron's actually did put the shameless plug there. Then I inserted the, sh the rest of the shameless plug. Anyway, Ron continues. I just read your post on the newest quantum ultra class ship being assigned to Fort Lauderdale in November, 2020. Wonderful news. My question concerns the silver and gold suite areas on deck 14 and 16. Uh, so Ron goes into a lot of depth about the silver and gold suite areas. But I'm gonna stop the email right there, Ron, because I am going to preempt your email with a, with a disclaimer. And that is, Ron is referring to a special suite area that is exclusive, if you will, to the first quantum ultra-class ship Spectrum of the Seas. The reason why I'm not going to read the rest of Ron's email is because Spectrum of the Seas was the was designed for the Asian cruise market. And Ron, as of right now, and you may be right on this, and in that case, I'll have to answer your email at that point. But as of right now, it is not clear whether Odyssey of the Seas, the second Quantum Ultra class ship, will have the silver and gold suite areas, or fr quite frankly, Ron, any of the perks or amenities or offerings found on Spectrum. The reason being, because Spectrum of the Seas was designed for the Asian cruise market, a lot of what you see on board Spectrum is for the Asian cruise market specifically. And that's important to note because Odyssey is not designed for the Asian cruise market. And when I've had let's call it off the record conversations with Royal Caribbean or even on the record, quite frankly, I don't think anyone really knows yet what Odyssey is going to look like. And it's not necessarily going to be a carbon copy of Spectrum. So the questions about that ship within a ship uh, idea that Spectrum kind of has may or may not end up on Odyssey of the Seas. 
So I don't know the answer to your question about, you had an issue about the Grand Suite access into some of the uh, areas on that ship. And that will remain to be seen, Ron. There's going to be, it may end up very well being a lot closer to Spectrum than not. Uh, again, we, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But I think it would be too early to, for me, to answer a question based on this, because quite frankly, hey, I'll be honest, I have very little information on what Spectrum offered, especially with its silver and gold suite areas. And in addition, B, I don't even know if Odyssey is gonna have anything remotely like that or what. I mean, my expectation, Ron, would be even if it did retain some of that, it's gonna revert back to that Royal Suite class idea, you know, with Star class and Sky class for consistency. It would seem to me odd that they would continue or, or perpetuate the silver and gold suite thing, a concept that came out of Spectrum for Asia over here in North America. I mean, I could be wrong on this. Like, this is just me. Someone's gonna, someone's gonna cut up this audio later on. Be like, look, Matt doesn't know what he's talking about. But <laughs> it remains to be seen. So Ron, we'll see what happens when we have more details about that. And of course, as you know, Ron, I will be posting that at royalcreamblog.com. Our next email is from Keo White from Sandy Springs, Georgia. Writes, first off, my family and I love your podcast and YouTube channel, of which you listen and watch religiously. Thanks for keeping us informed and entertained on our newfound passion of cruising. My husband and I took our first cruise on Royal Caribbean last year for a 10-year anniversary and fell in love. So now we're booked on Brilliance of the Seas for January 2020 and need some help. We're practical and budget conscious and need any advice on day passes to all-inclusive resorts relatively close to the downtown for a one-stop shop day, so to speak, in Grand Cayman, or even a way to enjoy the beach on our own if it's possible. Also, any great advice on third-party tours for Cosmel would be greatly appreciated. Again, thanks for all your help and enthusiasm for our shared cruising passion. Well, Kia, thanks for the email. So a couple things I wanted to share with you. Number one, Grand Cayman, two things come to mind. If you want to do a beach on your own, uh, Seven Mile Beach is where everybody goes. Seven Mile Beach is a very long stretch of beach. It's not just one giant beach. It's, I mean, it is, but it's, you can't go to like Seven Mile Beach. There's a bunch of operations on there. The one I always recommend, Kia, is the Royal Palms. Uh, it is, uh, we have actually a review of it at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Kia, it's Royal Palms. You just basically, you, you take the tender over to Grand Cayman, hop in a cab. This is not something you book in advance. And you tell the cab driver, hey, can you bring me to Royal Palms on Seven Mile Beach? Bam, you'll be there. There's some nice facilities there. You pay as you go kind of situation. The alternative option, if you were looking for a um, all-inclusive, which may or may not be budget conscious, when it comes to Grand Cayman, cheap is not a word that goes along with that island. It's just not the case. But the two recommended websites I always go to for all-inclusive options or day passes are either resortforaday.com or shoreexcursioneer.com. Uh, resort for a day or shore excursioneer. Basically, it's Shore Excursion with ER at the end, shoreexcursioneer.com. Both of those may or may not have options for Grand Cayman, but the Royal Palms, I think, would be a great choice for you. And if you're looking for a third-party tour of Cozumel, uh, you know, if you're looking for, like, a tour, like, around the island, uh, you know, there's a lot of great tour providers that go in and around there. Um, I haven't used a specific provider. There is a great bar hopping tour available that you can book that I've heard very good things about. Obviously, that's more of the bar nature than it is like, oh, look, here's the scene, the scenery of in and around Cozumel. Um, if I'm trying to think, if I were to do this right now, if I was to say I want to do a tour of Cozumel, what I would do personally is I would not book anything in advance. I would get off the ship, walk into the port area, and you will find a, <laughs> a quite a few t operators, taxi drivers, people who are willing to take you around the island. Uh, I would probably take one of them that are inside the gates 
if they're in there, they've probably done something right and have a decent reputation. I would also recommend going online to like message boards, like the message boards we have at RoyalCreamBlog.com. Go to the shore excursion section and ask if anyone has taken any personalized tours that they would recommend. The fourth or seventh option, I'm not sure what I'm up to right now, is actually go through Royal Caribbean. Uh, Royal Caribbean has an option called Private Journeys, which I don't think gets enough attention. The Private Journeys is a private shore excursion that Royal Caribbean will custom craft for you and will allow you to do almost anything you want to do as long as it's available. Maybe a good uh, another option to consider. Again, not the cheapest option out there, but you know, not not uh, unreasonable as well. Next, we have an email from Dana who writes, I have really, really enjoyed listening to the podcast and also your YouTube videos. I wanted to ask a couple questions. We'll be sitting on Symphony of the Seas in June 2020, and I'll be traveling with my wife and two kids, 18 and 13. I booked adjoining rooms, but I had to put myself and my wife as the primary guest in separate rooms. Who do I need to contact regarding the room arrangements and keys to the rooms to make sure my wife and I are in the same room? Can this be on prior to the cruise, or do I wait until embarkation? Basically, and i am done this quite a number of times, don't worry about who's on what room on paper. It is completely irrelevant. Once you're on the ship, it's you and your kids. You guys can figure out how, where you want to sleep. It really doesn't matter. You don't tell real Caribbean, oh, by the way, my wife is in that room, not this room. Doesn't matter. The only reason it would matter is if you wanted to alter the billing things, but I'm guessing since it's your wife, you probably are okay with uh, <laughs> sharing a credit card there. Um, so there's no issue at all. Now, if you have a separate room, and you know, like my kids are young enough that I just keep their cards with me. But if you want to have access to their room as well, and obviously your kids are older, they're going to want access to their own cards. You can go to guest services and ask for a second card that opens just their room. They can hook you up with that. No problem at all. Just go to guest services at some point when there's not a long line. Next question from Dana is, I'm planning to purchase arcade credits for the kids prior to the cruise. Once the credit is spent, the card cut off. Is the card cut off or will my child be able to continue charging more games their C-Pass card? I do not want them using more than the credits I've purchased. That bill would cost tears at the end of the cruise. Again, thanks for all the information. The podcast have really made the drive to work enjoyable. So the answer to your question is you can either give your kids charging privileges or no charging privileges. There isn't an option to say no charging privileges, but they can charge to the, to the arcade or vice versa. So what you could do, Dana, is say buy the arcade credits and then not provide charging privileges to your kids. That's done uh, during the check-in process. And, you know, you're off to the races. The, the issue is, yes, they won't be able to book any more, more arcade stuff, but they also wouldn't be able to charge anything else, which may or may not be an issue. I, <laughs> I don't know. But I want you to understand that is one of the possibilities. If you do want them to be able to charge other things, then you're opening up everything, including the arcade, potentially to them. So I guess the trust system comes into play at that point. Uh, but hopefully... That answers your question there. Our next email is from Narelle, who writes, My family and I have a New Zealand cruise from Sydney booked for February through March of next year, 2020. Myself, my husband, my parents, and our... <laughs> they wrote in parentheses, BYO babysitters. And our will-be 20-month-old son. I had a few questions. I hope you can enjoy uh, and answer these for us. Uh, going to New Zealand in March, anyone have packing tips weather-wise? All right. I have never been to New Zealand at any point in the year. Uh, so maybe what I would recommend in this kind of situation is to go to the Roken blog message boards in URL and post there. Of course, maybe somebody will post right here in our comments on the show notes for this episode and answer. As well, Narelle writes, we're traveling on Ovation of the Seas. They definitely have the Royal Tots Nursery, yeah? Yes. The one where you can leave them there for a fee without parent and guardian. That's one of the main reasons we picked the ship, so we certainly hope so. This way, we can get a couple of relaxing toddler-free activities in. Also, can you tell me what the current rate of the nursery is? The answer is yes. Last I checked, it was $6 in the daytime per hour, $8 at nighttime per hour per kid. That was the last time I checked. 
Uh, my kids haven't been in the nursery now for a little bit, so I'm a little out of practice with it, but as far as I know, that has not changed, and it's the best money you ever spent in your entire life. Uh, Norella also writes, I noticed on a forum somewhere the mention of a WoW ban. Are these worthwhile having? Is it just your C-Pass card on your wrist? I love them. And yes, it is essentially a C-Pass card on your wrist. I'm going to borrow that as a great uh, description of what it is. I like it because it's convenient. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm always, I always have in my pocket, as I mentioned earlier, my C-Pass card, my kid's C-Pass card, sometimes my wife's C-Pass card. I hate digging in my pocket to find the right one. With the WoW band, it is so much easier, even if it's, I'm only using it to get back in my room and maybe order, you know, some drinks here and there with it. Uh, you know, it's five bucks per, per band. I think it's well worth it. So yeah, I use it every time personally. I recommend them. I think they are worthwhile because the cost is so cheap to them and you can usually reuse them on subsequent sailing. So, and lastly, is there a cost for the escape room? There isn't a, there is a cost for the escape room uh, and you can book it via the cruise planner website or on board the ship. I do recommend if you know you want to do it, book it before the cruise. It tends to be pretty popular and book up uh, early. So definitely do that. Our next email is from Cruise and Susan, who writes, I enjoyed hearing your tips for choosing a cruise. We finally decided to do what to do for our next cruise. Here is how we came up with our choice. First, destination. After looking at numerous videos of Coco Key, we decided that we really wanted to experience it. We started looking at the ships that go there. Husband was interested in going there for at least two days. We're getting older and thought it might be too much to fit in for one day. The ship. I couldn't find any ship that stops there more than once in a seven-night cruise, but I mentioned to him that there are a couple of ships that do three and four-nighters, and they stop there each time. Since we like large ships, that meant Navigator or Mariner, and we decided on Mariner. We've never gone out of Port Canaveral, so that'll be a new challenge. When? We had done three back-to-back -back cruises the last half of September, and have never had an issue with the weather, so we decided to press our luck and try for September 2020. Husband isn't fond of flying, so we decided we better go for two weeks to get the most out of the cost and hassle of the flight. That means a back-to-back-to-back-to-back on Mariner with five stops at Coco Key. With all that time, we can explore and enjoy it at a leisurely place. And lastly, cabin. Always a balcony. Charla at MEI Travel has been always able to get us the balcony cabin for all four legs of our cruise. Using a travel agent makes it all so much easier. I know that you've been on Mariner several times and have a couple of questions. Number one, do they change comedians and headliner acts for each cruise or could we be having the same one for both a three and a four night sailing? And would it be possible to get to Kennedy Space Center for one of the turnaround days? The comedian and headliner acts, I believe does change. In, I mean, they have schedules. They don't live on the ship, generally speaking. So you're on five cruises. You're not gonna have the same one the whole time. Would you potentially have the same one for two legs? Possibly, I could see that. I'm trying to remember when I did a back-to-back-to-back -back 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 on Mariner in March, but I don't think we, we we did that, or I don't recall. Actually, what you could do here, Susan, here's my recommendation for you. Go to royalcrambleblog.com, go to our cruise compass section. I know of the cruise compasses from those back-to-back-to-back -back -back sailings in March of this year, 2019, and you know you can look it up and see what the entertainment schedule was, and if they do repeat, I think more than all, more likely you'll have some variations there. And in terms of Kennedy Space Center, you could absolutely do it on one of your turnaround days. You need to be off the ship pretty darn early. I would recommend uh, getting off there in the eight o'clock hours. You could be basically at Kennedy Space Center at nine. You could take a cab, you could take a lift, you could book an excursion through Royal Caribbean, and then obviously do that, and then return back to the ship by you know one or two o'clock and you'll be totally fine. It's not enough time. There isn't enough time in Kennedy Space Center, quite frankly, especially not even for a day, you have the full day there, but uh, it's certainly well, well, well worth doing. 
Uh, Susan also writes, for the person who wanted to do something in San Juan, the Segway tour is fun and educational and it's right at the port. And to the person concerned about eating or drinking in Mexico, when I traveled to Mexico in 1976, we took charcoal capsules available at the pharmacy with each meal, never got sick. Well, Susan, thank you for the email. Really appreciate you checking in there with your questions and of course, your great ideas. Next, we have an email from Fernando who writes, I've been listening to your podcast since almost the beginning of it. I really enjoy it. My wife and I have been on two welcoming cruises, Liberty and Independence. And in fact, our honeymoon was on Independence back in 2009. We have been on a cruise since 2014. We love cruising and we're going to lure the seas in November this year. We have a three-year-old daughter and this will be our first time cruising with her. The schedule will be St. Thomas, San Juan, and Coco Key. Is there an recommendation for first-timers with kids on a cruise? We'd rather go to the beach on these port days. Which beach do you recommend in St. Thomas? All right, so St. Thomas, we're going to Megan's Bay. It's well worth it. Best beach there. You'll love it. Can't go wrong. Blah, blah, blah. San Juan. San Juan's a toughie uh, because there are beaches. You could take, you could book an excursion. You could do something on your own. Uh, it's not normal San Juan. You have to take a taxi or a bus or something to get you out there. Um, but there are beaches. If you want to do the beach there, it's not bad. I mean, here's the thing. You're, doing new, you're going to do the beach in St. Thomas. Coco Key is a aquatic day, whether you're at the beach or the pool. You're doing something in the water. Personally, I would mix it up with something in San Juan that's not beach related. Some people don't care. Some people say, hey, give me the beach every time because I'm back at home in my cold, you know, climate at home and I don't have that opportunity there. Point taken. Um, but if you're looking to do something different, San Juan is great for exploring in the city, walking around. I think your three-year-old would love exploring the old Spanish forts. What's great about them is you can really just walk all around. They can climb, they can they can go see what's around the corner. Might be really, really fun. If you're going during a warmer time of the year, which you're not, you're going in November, I wouldn't worry about, you know, if you're going, in the, we were there in July and it was sweltering hot. I mean, just stagnantly warm to the point where we left our kids on the ship and um, thank goodness we did that because they would have been miserable in there. It was so, so, so warm. But going in November, you'll have no issues there. I would recommend go doing that, at least for part of the day. I mean, go, you know, go to the old Spanish forts, uh, do a little bit of that, do some shopping, have lunch, and then head back to the ship. And hey, that's a great day right there. So hopefully that makes sense. And lastly, uh, Fernando says, also, I have this question. My daughter uses a floater jacket when we go to the pool or the beach. Does the cruise line provide floaters for the kids or do we take ours and bring it with us? They do provide it for you. You will have swim vests for kids both on the ship and at Perfect Day at Coco Key. For St. Thomas, uh, or potentially San Juan, you'd be out of luck, is that technically you're not supposed to take them off the ship. I say technically because, say, if you bring it back, I'm not telling anybody if you don't, but just be aware of that, so FYI. So thank, thank you for the email, Fernando. It's time for another email or two here. Let's head on to our next one. It is from Joe Mock, where it's just a hey yo and a big thanks. Utilize what I learned from, from you by listening to the podcast. For my upcoming bro cruise coming up this December on the Amplified Oasis of the Seas, I had booked a deluxe beverage package with Voom way back in May. I followed your advice to book as early as possible. Then keep an eye on the cruise planner and if the price ever goes down, cancel and rebook. Well, that's what just happened. After visiting the site often over the last four months, noticing the 30% off deal I had booked at was being offered at higher prices and feeling smart for booking early, I happened to go to the site today and saw the same package being offered at 35% off. I immediately called Royal Caribbean and within 10 minutes, had canceled the previous package and rebooked at the new rate, saving my brother and I $33 each and feeling even smarter for listening to you. Sad to say, those who don't listen to the great Matt H will be buying the drink package on the ship at much higher prices and then settling up that big bill at the end of the cruise. Me though, I'll have spread that bill out and have paid it off by the end of October, about as close to drinking free in December as it can get, 
Keep up the great work. I love how you keep the cruise bug alive all year. And now in honor of Cincinnati's own Roy Rogers, kids in the audience, Google it. I sign off to the tune of happy trails to you. <laughs> happy sails to you. Until we cruise again. To me, and thank you for the email, Joe. Ray Rogers is always the guy who had the restaurant. I know who he is. He was a cowboy on, on TV slash movies back in the day. Uh, but there was always the Ray Rogers restaurant near us when I was a kid. I do remember that more. Uh, but I do know the happy trails to you. I'm butchering that as usual when I sing. But uh, Joe, thanks to the email, buddy. And I'm glad we could save you a little bit of money there. And our last email is coming to us from Gary writes, I just want to say thanks for all the tips and tricks that you share, specifically your recommendation to do the make your own sushi class at Izumi. We are sushi fans and found that to be fun and tasty activity. We recently did a transatlantic cruise on Serenade of the Seas that was supposed to be 16 nights, extended to 17, courtesy Hurricane Dor Dorian, a late and minor inconvenience compared to many others. We stopped in Denmark, Norway, the Shetland Islands, Iceland, Greenland, and Canada before ending in Boston, a once in a lifetime cruise, our highlight, seeing the Northern Lights. Love the cruise and the ship. We are Radiance class fans. Not sure we're ready for another cruise that long anytime soon though. The captain was, as you said, watching the hurricane and keeping in touch with the weather people back in Miami. We were supposed to stop in Sydney and Halifax. Initially, that was changed to overnight in Sydney, skipping Halifax, and then we skipped both and went to Quebec, the first Royal Caribbean ship to stop in Septiles. The town wasn't scheduled to have any ship in port that weekend, but they certainly pulled out all the stops for us and made us feel very welcome. Kudos to both Royal Caribbean and the town. Keep up the good work. Gary, thanks so much for the email. I'm so glad to hear you. An awesome, awesome time. What a great idea going on that transatlantic on uh, Serenade of the Seas, transatlantic, 16, now 17 nights, and you got to check out the Make Your Own Sushi class. Dude, I love it. I hope that someday I'll be able to do a transatlantic, hopefully sooner than later. I'd love to make it a little sooner than later. I feel like I've got a lot in that bucket list there, but thank you for the email, Gary. Thank you to everybody for this great email and great episode of the podcast, and you can always send me your emails to be answered right here on the podcast by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hodgeberg, and we'll talk again soon.